It's good to be back uh, once more, though uh, we were here last Sunday. Uh, this has been a packed week uh, to Pepperdine and back, filled with classes and workshops, keynotes and, and worship. Uh, I, I was able to share in one of the breakout sessions about this wilderness theme that we've been exploring together this year. Uh, sharing the examples of Jesus and John the Baptist and the desert mothers and fathers and, and all of these things. And I want to say thank you to those of you uh, who uh, took a little bit of time to respond to my last minute request of, hey, do, do you have anything you'd like to share about what you've been learning through this process? Um, I uh, got a few responses back and was able to read some of those to the group uh, of people in that session that, that I was in. And several people uh, afterwards responded about just how wonderful it was to hear from people in our church who have been learning these very things. Um, I was grateful for the opportunity to pass along the things that we've been learning here to other churches, other church leaders there at Pepperdine. Uh, I'm grateful for your wisdom and insights that you bring to this community and, and grateful to continue learning and growing together as we gather around this table in the wilderness. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 is where we are heading. Uh, today we'll begin reading in verse 26 in just a moment. Uh, but, but as you're turning there, you know, we've continued exploring this image, table in the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness can represent those painful circumstances that surround us in a world scarred by sin. Uh, things like loneliness, abandonment, uh, fear, anxiety, all, all manner of things, shame, right? But in the midst of all of these, we are convinced that God is setting a table of redemption for his people. Uh, the wilderness can also represent a different way of life that we are called to live as God's people. Uh, a life of quiet, simple humility, not fixated by the constant noise, commotion, power, and popularity of the world around us. And, and we believe that in the midst of this quiet simplicity, we discover the table of God's abundant blessing, right? This is this table in the wilderness that we've been exploring. And this table is a place for us. It's a place for us to be. It's a place that God sets and invites us to. So over the past couple weeks, we've been considering how the table is a place to be known. And the table is a place for us to grow. Right? It's a place that we come as strangers and become deep friends who are known and loved by God and one another. It's a place that, that we come new in faith and, and become fed and nourished as we grow in God together. It's a place to be known and it's a place to grow and today, I want to consider another aspect of what this table is for. It is a place to 
belong. The table is a place to belong. So we'll consider that together as we read Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 26. In Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word and for setting this table as a place to belong where all are welcomed, where all can find their home. God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So going to this conference last week at Pepperdine was, was great, right? I mean, there is just so much good stuff there. But there's one recurring moment that continued to constantly make me anxious, right? We signed up for the meals that they have there at Pepperdine. So at mealtimes, we would go into the cafeteria where they had this great buffet laid out. Uh, You know, there's salad, there's the main course, there's the sides, there's drinks, there's even a table of desserts. It was great, right? I mean, you know, it's a feast. Go have your fill. So you go through the buffet, you fill up your plate, you get everything that you need. All of this is wonderful. And then you turn to where all the tables are and you have to find a place to sit. And all of a sudden, it's like being in middle school again. Like, where am I going to go? Which table can I sit at? Is there someone here that I know I can go sit at their table? Um, uh, You know, I don't really want to go sit with strangers. Uh, I don't want to interrupt them or or anything. And Of course, I don't want to sit by myself because that's lame, right? Where do we go, right? Um, I mean, just like middle school, you've got, you know, the cool kids over here, the athletic people over there, the, the band kids, the theater kids, on and on. Which table do I belong at? Is that question. Uh, now, to be fair, um, all these different groups of, of you know, the, the athletes and the, the theater kids and so on, we're not at this Bible lecture. Um, but uh, looking at the cafeteria, Wondering where to sit easily brings up all of those same anxieties from from school way back in the day. Where do I belong? Where do I belong? And we can laugh as we look back on our middle school experiences, but I don't know that that question ever fully goes away. 
We continue through life with that aching question, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And after we ask that enough, it can easily turn very simply into the question, do I belong? Do I? Do I belong anywhere? And that question can be haunting. It's a question that's the source of much of our fear, much of our anxiety, much of the way that that we carry ourselves in the world. Do I belong? Belonging, it's, it's one of these core human questions. And it's one of those essential human needs. Ever since God created humanity and placed them in the Garden of Eden, this place to belong, it's been a core, essential need of humanity to have a place to belong. And belonging has been in question ever since humanity first sinned and went into hiding and began questioning, where do I belong? The passage that we've just read from Galatians uses this little word several times that has a massive meaning. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That little word, all, tells us that everyone is meant to belong at the table of Christ. Everyone. The table is a place to belong. But there are a lot of things that have gotten in the way, aren't there? So, I want to try something a little bit different this morning. One of the sessions that I went to at Pepperdine was about conversational preaching, all right? Uh, That means instead of just one person getting up and talking the whole time, we actually have a little bit of back and forth. Uh, And so, you know, I went, I learned, let's put it into practice. Let's try this thing out. So, I want to try it out. Belonging is this core human question, And it's an essential human need. In Christ, all are meant to belong. But things have gotten in the way of our belonging. And so, if you haven't already done this enough, I want to invite you to turn to someone nearby and just very briefly, for the next couple of minutes, um, respond to this question. What are some barriers to our belonging? What are some barriers to our belonging? I'll give you a couple of minutes, uh, and then we can share a little bit. So, discuss. What are some barriers to belonging? All right, it's been a couple of minutes. Some of you are just getting started, um, but I'll, I'll bring us back together here. And I'd love to ask, I'm not going to carry a mic around, just shout it out from where you are. What are some of the things that you talked about 
Um, uh, just from where you are, what, what are some of the barriers to belonging? What'd you say? Yeah, yeah, go for it. What'd you, what'd you say? Being able to hear. Oh, yeah. Expectations. Age. Rejection. Fear of rejection. Yeah. Lack of authenticity. Hmm. Lack of willingness to invest our time. What was that? Place? Police. Bullies. Sorry, man. I'm just, I'm hearing every word except the one that you're saying. That's the hearing part, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? Oh, man. Bullies. Okay, got Beliefs. I don't know if I belong here, right? So, all right. Beliefs. Yes, yes. Okay, what else, what else do we have? Any, anyone else? Being understood or, or not understanding. Yeah. Coming from a different background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not being able to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there are all kinds of things that get in the way of our sense of belonging, that get in the way of, of being able to feel connected to one another and, and really feeling that sense of belonging. The passage that we read names some barriers to belonging that existed at that time. Uh, many of these still persist to this day. In fact, I'd say all of them do. Verse 28, Galatians 3 names Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, and male and female. So we have race, we have economics, and we have gender. Three things that have often been barriers to belonging, right? All three of these continue to be dividing lines in our world that keep some people in and other people out. Some people belong, others don't. Race, economics, and gender. And unfortunately, the church historically has not had a great track record on these three. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours, if not the most segregated hour in Christian America. Right? The church has often been just as segregated by race as every other area. Of society. One of the workshops I went to at Pepperdine described uh, church plants, new churches being planted, and said that often most new church plants are, are occurring in wealthy areas because those are areas where the new church can become financially stable more quickly, right? And so there's an economic inequality. Uh, the church tries to go places where the money is, right? Uh, that's not too good. 
And then, well, we all know that churches for a long time have been places where women were allowed to attend but not actively participate, right? Uh, That has been the case for many. And so that's three strikes against the church. Race, economics, gender. God's table is meant to be a place where everyone belongs. But far too often, the church has not been that place. Paul's words in Galatians are just as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. These should not be barriers to belonging. In Christ, we are all welcome to belong at the table. And so this passage identifies some of the barriers that we encounter to belonging. It also points toward the solution to that belonging, right? Neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the answer to belonging. Jesus came to set a table in the wilderness as a place to belong. This belonging is fulfilled in Jesus, but it didn't begin with Jesus. He brought a long storyline to fruition. And Paul actually points to that bigger story in the very next verse, in verse 29. He goes on to say, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise is that? Well, uh, let's go back to the beginning of Abraham's story, which we read in Genesis 12. Uh, And for the full context, we have to note Genesis 12 comes after Genesis 10 and 11, obviously. Genesis 10 includes a list that is known as the Table of Nations. Uh, It's this list of all the different people groups that are known at that time. Then Genesis 11 tells the story of the Tower of Babel, this story where people became divided against one another by their languages and were scattered apart from one another across the world. And so as you're hearing the story of Genesis, this idea of many different nations, many different peoples is fresh in your mind. And then we meet Abraham who's known as Abram at the time, who God calls with these words of promise. Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all 
peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you hear it? Did you hear that little word again? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the promise. This is the promise of Abram. This is the call of God's people. God calls Abram with a mission to bless all the people of the earth. The world is filled with different people and different nations, just like a middle school cafeteria with different tables. But beginning with Abraham, God is going to bless and unite all peoples on earth so that all might have a place to belong. This was the mission that God called Abraham and his descendants to. And there are hints of it happening throughout the rest of the story, right? Every now and then, we we do see this glimmer of God's people being a blessing to those around them. But overall, they fail, often miserably. Instead of becoming a beacon of God's blessing to the world, the nation of Israel becomes a sectarian people who often think too highly of themselves and go to war with everyone else. Instead of humbling themselves and serving their neighbors with the love of God, Israel often puffs themselves up and gloats over their neighbors instead. Does that remind us of anyone else at times? This has been a problem with God's people for a long time. But where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. Right? Jesus comes as this sort of new Israel, fulfilling the promises of God that Israel had failed to fulfill. He comes to bring the storyline that God began with Abraham to fruition. He comes to be a blessing to all peoples on earth and to set for them a table as a place to belong. And we see this in his ministry, in his life. I mean, just look at the 12, right? The 12 disciples. He's got blue-collar fishermen, a white-collar tax collector who worked for Rome, and then you've got a zealot who had been plotting to overthrow Rome. That's just the 12, right? Uh, You've got economic inequality. You've got political tensions and division. That's just among the 12, But then Luke 8 tells us uh, the 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Husa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So in addition to this diverse group of 12... There are also many women among his disciples. It was unheard of in Jesus' day for a rabbi to have female disciples. And yet, Jesus did have both male and female disciples. 
because he was living God's mission to be a blessing to all peoples on earth and to give them a place to belong. Now, some of you might think, but weren't all of these disciples of Jesus Jews? Well, yes, most of Jesus' life was spent in and among the Jewish people, but after his resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus passes on this mission of belonging to his disciples. And and, and this verse here functions as an outline of the rest of the book of Acts. Right? Last week we read Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they share their witness with Jerusalem and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then in the rest of the book of Acts, we see the disciples go out and continue sharing their witness in the wider region. They go to the Samaritans and establish a community of faith there. And then eventually even to a Gentile family. You see, Jesus is continuing his mission to be a blessing to all peoples on the earth and to give them a place to belong. So I want to pause again for a couple of minutes uh, and, and offer another question for you. Before we asked, what are some barriers to belonging? And now I want to ask, what are some pathways to belonging? What are some ways that people can belong? What is it that helps you feel like you belong? Turn to someone next to you and share a couple thoughts. I'll bring us back together in a couple minutes. All right, it's been a couple of minutes, so I'll bring us back together here. Um, Just like we did last time, hopefully I'll be able to hear you. Uh, or understand you, right? Um, what did you talk about? Just shout it out. What are some pathways to belonging? Some of the things that, that help us to feel our sense of belonging uh, in a community. Hearing aids and glasses. Hearing aids and glasses, right? We need to be able to hear each other and see. <laughs> yes. What else do you guys talk about? Listening. listening. Yeah, Listening. Proximity, yeah, just being nearby. Uh huh. Being pursued. Doing things together. Serving. Food. Nothing like belonging, you know, with the, the plate full of food. You just need a spot at the table, right? Which, which table do I go to? <laughs> the church. Yeah, the church can be a place to belong. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. We can connect over, over common things that we do have. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah. Just being able to talk to each other, right? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Willing to accept others and to accept ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. Willingness to share our gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Spirit. Recognizing the Spirit in others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, hospitality that allows the stranger to come and, and become themselves with you. Yeah. Yeah. All of these are, are different ways that, that we enter into belonging, pathways to belonging. One of the images in the passage that we've read that is presented as a pathway to belonging is baptism. Baptism, right? All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, baptism is meant to be a picture of belonging. A picture of belonging, but all too often, and especially in our church tradition, we have made it into a barrier instead of a pathway. Too often we've made baptism into an indicator of who's in and who's out instead of allowing it to point us to the heart of God who is at work making, creating a place for everyone to belong. Baptism is meant to show us, hey, you belong here. You belong here. Right? Uh, You know, one of the things that came to my mind, what are pathways to belonging, is simply being affirmed, right? Being told, hey, you belong here. And and do you remember when Jesus was baptized and he came back up out of the water, what did he hear? You're my beloved child. I delight in you. You belong, right? The passage itself begins in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God through faith. You belong here, right? Baptism is meant to be one of these pathways to belonging, this picture that, hey, you belong here. Too often we've emphasized the act of baptism, have you been or haven't you been, at the expense of the meaning of baptism. God wants everyone to belong here. And ultimately, baptism also comes with a call on us and our lives to join God in his mission to continue making space for others to belong. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are a baptized person, then you are called to join the mission to be a blessing to all people and make a place where everyone 
belongs. And if you're not a baptized person, well then, and you want to be, then let's talk, right? It's an invitation to belong. It's a picture of this thing that is true in Christ. You are a beloved child. Baptism was never meant to be a barrier, but a pathway, a picture of the belonging that we have in Christ and the call that we have to invite others to that belonging as well. And this leads me to one final thing I want to say about belonging. You see, this place, this table, this community is a place where you belong, but it's also a place that belongs to you. You also have a responsibility in this community to make space for others. Your presence is part of that community of belonging. You belong here, but this place also belongs to you. And so together, we join to to create spaces for others to belong. Uh, There is no one who is helpless to create and, and form community in the church. Every one of you is a part of this. This place belongs to you. And so may you find belonging here. And may you also join God in his mission to create a place where all can belong. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You belong. And God is calling us to invite others to belong as well. May it be so. Amen.